With the weather warming up, many of us are thinking about building fires. Campfires, backyard fires, beach fires, they all bring to mind, for me, s'mores and hot dogs. Smoke that blurs our eyes and stays in our clothes for days. But there's something mystical about an outdoor fire. It's communal. We gather around it, see the faces of our family and friends illuminated. Flames mesmerize and draw us in as they dance and change color. There is a raw energy about fire that is both exciting and frightening. As a campfire girl from Bluebirds on through high school, I learned some important life skills, like what all those cool things on my Swiss army knife could do, why you always dig a trench around your tent when you camp on the west side of the Cascade Mountains, and how to build really good fires. I remember two methods for laying a fire that would catch and burn. There's the log cabin method where you make a square and there's the cone method. Both involve paper and small wood to light the fire and slightly bigger kindling stacked around it so that the tinder flames will ignite the kindling. And eventually when the kindling is fully burning, you can add the bigger pieces of wood and you have a full and glorious fire. Through trial and error, building lots of fires, I learned that fire needs air. For example, if you lay a heavy flat log right on the top of your fledgling fire, it will smother your fire and you will have to start again. And when you're laying the perfect setup for the fire with your log cabin or your cone, if you put the pieces of wood too close together, the air can't get in and your fire will just smoke and you'll probably end up having to blow on it to make it catch. Fire needs air to burn and grow. We see extreme examples of this with wildfires, which we've gotten to know all too well in the Northwest. Wind feeds and pushes wildfires through forests and grasslands. Wind can change the direction of a wildfire and even make it jump over a fire line. Wind feeds a fire with force and unpredictability. And we delude ourselves when we forget that fire is wild and wind is unpredictable. Fire and Pentecost go together. Acts says, tongues of fire accompanied by a sound like a rushing wind, appeared and rested upon the disciples. That fire that indicated the presence of the Holy Spirit sets the disciples alight with the power of language to spread the gospel to all people everywhere. We wear red and other colors of fire on Pentecost to remind us that we too are set afire with the Holy Spirit at our baptisms. And when we renew our baptismal promises in a few minutes, we remind ourselves that we too 
have the power to spread the world-changing good news to the ends of the earth. Fire symbolizing the Holy Spirit seems appropriate since they share some characteristics. They are both unpredictable. Hello, forest fires and every caution about playing with fire. They draw us in, inspiring both fear and fascination. They are both inextricably linked with air. The word for spirit, pneuma, is also breath and blast of air. We so often want to know what will happen next, how and when and who, a timeline, a plan, exact details. Our normal human anxiety leads us to a desire to know and control our surroundings, our calendar, our whole lives. Air is good. Yes, we want to we want things to work a certain way that we can understand and anticipate. We want an airtight plan. Do you see where I'm going here? An airtight plan. All the cracks sealed up. No room for air to feed the fire that is in us. No space for the Holy Spirit to move or ignite us or unpredictably jump our fire line and spread that holy breath in unexpected ways. Of course, that's a view of the Holy Spirit that is quite limited by our human understanding and this metaphor. Thankfully, God's imagination and the Spirit are not limited by our imaginations. Pentecost is happening here and now, today. The spirit and presence of God is here with us, abiding, breathing on us, blowing through us, igniting us. The disciples sat together on Pentecost, wondering exactly how they were supposed to continue Jesus' ministry. Of all the ideas they tossed around, it is likely that none of them included the audacious possibility of speaking every language known to humanity. And yet, with amazement and bewilderment and perplexity, they found themselves empowered to speak to the people right outside their door in ways that every single person could hear and understand. One might even say they were on fire with the good news. So where is the spirit setting your soul on fire? What holy and audacious temptation are you, we, trying to quell because it seems impossible. Are we not made for and inspirited to proclaim good news in all kinds of ways? Amazing and holy things happen 
when we acknowledge that the Spirit of God is wild and contagious and unpredictable. And what is the worst thing that could happen if we dare to give those flames of divine love and inspiration more air to grow and spread? How bad could it be if every person felt and heard God's love and grace in a language they could understand? Fire catches and grows when we leave room for the air to get in.